Your style is unorthodox, but effective. It is not the art, but the combat that you enjoy. Man, you come right out of a comic book. You are now, now listening, listening to Black, Black Comics, Comics Chat. Chat. Black, Black, Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. We are live on Black Comics Chat. Black Comics Chat. Shannon, CG, Lauren, and Mel form the Nerds of Prey, a group of ladies bonded by comics, gaming, film, television, and fandom culture. Hang out with them bi-weekly as they dig into the very things that make them loud and proud nerds. Available on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. Also, check out their Patreon at patreon.com backslash nerds of prey. Hi, this is Anthony Rutgazer. I'm the writer of The First Hero and Heroes of Homeroom C, and you are listening to Black Comics Chat. Check one, two. Hey, hey, what is happening, world? What's going on? What's cracking? What's popping? This is Marcus Kwame, and we are back once again with Black Comics Chat. You know, we got the, for the Black Comics Chat team, we have the dynamic duo holding it down, and I'm very happy to to reintroduce to the show. You know, the he, he's been he's been MIA while he's been uh, you know doing some crime fighting and other stuff. But we have returning to the show T Legit, the Quiet Storm himself, Alonis <laughs> Legend. Hey, what's going down, Black Comic Shack fan? Back to you up in the fold. Got a special guest tonight, hailing all the way from Vancouver, Canada. We chopped it up in the green room, so I think it's going to be a special show. So sit back, relax, and let's get into it. Yeah, most definitely. And yeah, since it's just the two of us, you know, shout, uh, shout out to Grace, Tony, and Leo. You know, they'll be back soon. They're all they're all busy. Uh, I'm not sure about um, Grace, but I know Thelonious, I mean, I know that Tony is uh, is seeing Star Wars Last Jedi, which I had the pleasure of seeing earlier. We'll, we'll, we'll speak non-spoilery about it later. But, um, right, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so just for Thelonious. I mean, everyone else, you know, you got it on your own, but for Thelonious, we, we won't spoil it. Um, but anyway, so yeah, so as as, uh, as Thelonious mentioned, we have a very special guest tonight, and that guest is none other than Tim Lewinson, the uh, creator of Savage Empire, and uh, you know a man who's done done a lot of things that we're we're going to get into tonight. So yeah, without any further ado, how are you, Tim? Hey, what up, Black Comic Chat? Thanks, guys, for having me on. Really appreciate it. Doing well. Saw Last Jedi too. As well today, and uh, pretty happy about that. Mine was blown, and uh, looking forward to talking a little bit about that and uh, whatever else you guys got. Okay, cool, cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, like, first up, as always on Black Comics Chat, we like to get into our guest's um, origin story. So tell us a little bit about yourself um, and also, you know, just your your early experiences with, with comics as a reader, and then we'll get into it as a creator. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was born uh, born in the mid-70s and uh, came up uh, reading the best of the best of the 1980s comics, you know, uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, uh, you know, Cloak and Dagger, 
you know, even used to read uh, the old Archie comics uh, with the, the crazy Christian angles going on. So that's kind of what I cut my teeth on. A lot of DC, a lot of, a lot of the esoteric Marvel stuff as well. It wasn't until, um, you know, I spent some time working uh, at Disney as a senior designer uh, in the mid uh, 2000s, working on a, a game called Turok, Dinosaur Hunter that uh, I really got the bug to, you know, sort of turn around and, and, and figure out, you know, what uh, what could I put out there uh, in the comics, in the comic spectrum and really shift from making video games, um, which I've been doing now for about 20 years, to uh, taking some of that writing and production uh, uh, credit and putting it towards uh, making my own comic. Um, yeah, flipped the script and uh, sat down and wrote about uh, 200 pages worth of script and then cut uh, cut all that down and uh, came up with uh, the the 80-page uh, piece called Savage Empire which uh, which you see today. Let's 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 talk about Savage Empire a little bit. What's for anyone who isn't familiar with it, what what is Savage Empire? Well, it's a uh, it's good question. I mean, high level, um, you know, it's uh it's about uh, Los Angeles and uh, the big one and dinosaur Armageddon. So, if you picture this, the big one finally triggers in SoCal and the magnitude of the quake is not just killing like hundreds of thousands of people, but it actually caused a large portion of the area to actually fall off and crumble into the Pacific. So what little that remains is now hanging on to the California coastline by a thread. So you have pretty much Los Angeles on an Island by itself. And inside that new Island of Los Angeles, you have these rifts, time rifts that are now opening up and these apex predators are now pouring through and just, going nuts up and down the broken coastline. So you now have, uh, 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 you know, a good section of the United States that is now incommunicado. Um, our people are in danger, and we have sent a crack team behind the lines to try and figure out exactly what happened. And some of these people on this commando team, they have, uh, let's just say they, they have their own uh, conflicting desires as to how they want to handle things. And that's pretty much a setup for, for Savage Empire and how things kick off. So what what I found interesting about that was uh, you got people with, diff- with different agendas um, and you got people that are looking to kind of monetize the situation uh, right away, uh, mm-hmm. kind of almost indifferent to any human loss and suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I look at that and, and I look at, you know, our, our capitalistic system and I'm thinking that's probably closer to truth than not. So... Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit more about your motivation uh, for making some of these? And I want to say shady characters, but I'm talking about these uh, characters that have different varying uh, degrees of, of motivation for, you know, the cataclysmic events that happen in California and how sometimes they work together and how sometimes they work opposite each other. Sure. So when I was doing the research um, for Savage Empire and actually looking at how um, America um, reacts to these incidents that happen within its borders. You know, I was looking at, you know, incidents like what happened in New Orleans, for example, um, the hurricanes that hit the Midwest on a regular basis. Um, how does the government respond when it happens to this area of the country as opposed to this area of the country? Um, do we allow people to come in and monetize or we go in to help? Look at what happened in Puerto Rico, for example, if we th- want to talk about something that's, uh, that's topical. Um, you know, you have a government that is now allowing its friends to go in there and monetize on the backs of the suffering of, you know, American citizens in Puerto Rico, as opposed to jumping in to help. 
And they're, the way that they attack things in Houston is completely different. Go back to Katrina. Again, it was completely different. So when I sat down and really and started doing the research about how I thought um, we uh, the American government would react to, you know, a really huge earthquake in Los Angeles, the idea of people looking to take advantage, I mean, that had to be part of it. That was part and parcel, and that had to be real. And another aspect of reality that I wanted to reflect was having multifaceted characters who have differing agendas and can be pulling together in one direction for the sake of one agenda, but have their own things going on underneath and eventually having those bubble up to the surface. Um, and I felt that if I didn't you know, provide those characters, each of the characters, whether it's Reeves, whether it's Reka, um, an opportunity to really flex their muscles and show how they're different, even though they're supposed to ostensibly pulling in the same direction, um, that I wouldn't be, I'd be doing them a disservice and I'd be doing the story, a story a disservice. And, and I think another interesting aspect of your, of your uh, comic is you have women in a front and center and they're not damsel in distress. Uh, no. their, their leadership roles are very capable. Uh, and, and, at, at times, uh, it seems like you mentioned apex predators. It seems like they're the you know the apex hero, at the top of the food chain. Uh, <laughs> so, what was I mean? Was that a uh, uh, a focus effort to make sure that your book had a strong woman character, or was that just uh, uh, was that more organic? That something that just happened. It's when I sat down to put this together, it was really more of an organic process. Um, these characters ended up telling me who they were. And as opposed to me saying, oh, you know what? I need to have uh, 60% women and uh, I need to make sure that uh, the team is made up of, uh, you know, 10% black and 10% Latino and 10% So you were not checking off checkboxes then? You weren't, like, I don't do checkboxes. Yeah, okay. I don't do checkboxes, no. Us, I think we're we're more aware, not always, but we're more aware of not just putting in token people. Yeah, I mean, who likes to be the token, right? And 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 coming, you know, living up in Canada, I mean, everybody jokes about the Great White North and frozen tundra. But in Vancouver, like, you know, we're cosmopolitan. We got South Asian, we got Chinese, we got Japanese, we got a heavy Caribbean contingent up here, uh, you know, uh, Irish, Scottish. You know, it's not diversity for me, and I'm making air quotes, which uh, I'm sorry, y'all can't see. It's, it's not diversity to me. Came through the mic. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's reality. And my reality is I have people from different backgrounds all around me, everywhere I go. My reality is I have strong women around me as well as strong men. I have weak women around me and weak men. So I want anything that I put out into the ether to reflect my reality, which is, hey, we have strong we have strong characters, and a lot of them just happen to be female, and that's and that's that's what the story dictated. Again, these characters tell me who they are. I don't t I don't tell them. Yeah, and you know what I find interesting about that? You look at current events, and you look at the recent election that we had uh, mm -hmm. down in Alabama, mm -hmm. and you look at the, the one demographic that pretty much stayed the union from uh, putting a uh, uh, alleged child molester in, in Congress. You know, we, you know, we have to say alleged on our show. We, let, let, let's, let's just go on, on that. Okay, all right. Well, you know, I don't know. Man, I'm, I'm not trying to get any... I don't want to get sued. I don't want to lose any corporate sponsors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't, we're not beholden to any, any uh, sponsors, yeah. you know. 
All right, so, Nike uh, isn't sponsoring us yet. So I'm gonna say this. So when you usually when you usually have one demographic, you know, that's writing the storylines, it's always you know the white savior, the, the Tarzan type trope that goes in the safe. But when you look at reality, you look at every day, you basically have people saving themselves. Uh, mm-hmm. And then I think once you get people that look that that look more like you know the cosmopolitan area like Vancouver or or Alabama, write the stories you get a more realistic, holistic view of, you know, what really happened. And so uh, I'm saying that to say uh, you putting, you know, women on the front lines and, and making sure the center of the action, I think is more real. And I think because uh, a person that doesn't fit the, the usual demographic of people that put out comics uh, is able to bring those stories to light in a more holistic and honest way. Yeah, well, I I really felt, to be honest, to to who these people were, that you know, if 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 Reka's and her approach and the way that she deals with her team is one that requires, you know, it feels like a woman would be right for that role, then a woman is right for that role, and that's just how it has to be. I I, I looked at the, um, you know, I got to say, I was watching with bated breath and. Uh, a fair amount of trepidation. The the Alabama the Alabama special election, as were and, we um, and <laughs> up here, and we're like, okay, it's just a tipping point. Like, come on, 2017 has been like a year of what the hell. I was like, this is just going to be one more thing where, if they vote this this alleged. Uh, you know, pedophile and non-alleged, you know, racist into office with all the crazy shit that he's done, and they're still going to say, "Yeah, okay, um, cool, that's that's it. Uh, I love you, America, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta wave for, wave at you from over the border." And well, they would vote yeah, him in because of all the alleged stuff he done, mm-hmm. not in spite of it, because of it. That's mm-hmm. not and, that's not a bug. That's a feature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> the <laughs> the. Uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> the um, the the thing that that drove me nuts. I mean, I was happy that uh, Roy Moore lost to Doug Jones. Um, don't get me wrong, but I was pissed at the same time. And let me explain my reasoning. I was pissed because it was as close as it was. Exactly. No. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with. And I was like telling you, man. Like you can ask my wife. I was sitting there on Twitter in bed and just like legit angry. Like, at one hand, yeah, you guys, you did it, but it never, ever, ever should have been that close. And you know what, followed, I, I actually yeah. had, I probably had a level of confidence. Uh, I, I would even say not, not naivete, uh, because uh, I actually thought that Doug Jones was going to win just because of the way the country had been trending since, you know, the, the, the Orange Cheeto monster uh, has been in office. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I thought he was going to win, and because it was Alabama, period, where you know the, the Cheeto Monster won handily, and they've they've not elected a Democrat in you know forever. So forever, yeah. But I mean, looking at and I, I pay a lot of attention to American politics uh, just because the uh, you know when when America sneezes, Canada catches cold. You know, so so we <laughs> we we keep an eye on y'all down there. True but that, um, <laughs> but um, I, I wasn't, I got to say, I wasn't confident. I wasn't. And a lot of that just comes down to the mood of the country and uh, mood of your country and just how things had been trending. And, and I got to say that I was really worried. And so, yeah, I was glad that Doug Jones pulled it out. 
I was pissed that it was that close. I look at how black women and black men, um, you know, uh, both at, you know, the high, the high 90s came out to save, you know, everybody says, oh, you, you save white people from themselves. And I'm like, I don't know if that's the case. I think that black people were saving themselves yeah, and doing right. what they could in spite of all the gerrymandering and the attempts and the attempts to uh, to keep uh, people from voting and engaging in voter suppression. And they still came out in force and got it done and pushed things over the edge. So, yeah, black people, you know, the union temporarily. But, uh, man, it's uh, it never it never should have got to that point. And that that still makes me makes me shake my head if, if we're being 100. Yeah. No, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we we, yeah. we we veer into politics occasionally, but um, no, nah, but so I mean, and I think that uh, I guess a good segue from there is you know you had touched on the way that our you know real life government mechanics um, factored into your your storytelling in this you know dystopian you're exploring with Savage Empire, um, what uh yeah like when you tell us about when you when you first uh conceived the story like how how long of a, a process was it between when you conceived it and um you know the fruition of your your kickstarter campaign yeah sure so um like i mentioned before i was a senior designer at disney for several years and uh working on turk the dinosaur hunter and uh, shipped that for the xbox 360 and playstation 3 and the pc and then for a while there we were working on turok 2 and then that got canceled and uh, I was super bummed. Obviously, uh, it's uh, love dinosaurs, and it was a, a subject that was near dear to my heart. And uh, so I took some time off, started my own studio, and then sat down. I'm like, you know what? There's a story that I still want to tell, and I'm going to sit down and start working through it and figure out the best way to get this out there. Whether it's like in a game format, do I want to write a screenplay? Uh, you know, short film. Uh, graphic novel, and the more that I worked on the script over the course of uh, two or three years, um, the more it made sense that, you know, graphic novel is where it needs to be. Um, so I cut the script down from 200 pages to about 80 pages um, and uh, used my uh, production skills. Uh, I haven't worked as an executive producer uh, in the past. Used my production skills to uh, get a team together. Um, hired a, a great artist named Jim Jimenez and a good friend of mine as a letterer. Uh, Bernardo Briche and uh, we sat down and planned it out and and got it done. Um, the the funny thing is when it came down to do the Kickstarter, let me tell you guys, I I knew bugger all about running a Kickstarter. Like I did my research, don't get me wrong, but the amount of work that was involved, like it was a full time job for one solid month, and previous to that, seven months of prep. Um, it was uh, if I'd known going in what it was going to take to pull it off. I don't know if I would have done it. Well, um, let, let's 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 stay on that for a minute because I know obviously yeah. like a lot of our um, listeners are creators themselves, and I think that that's one of the big questions about you know what goes into some of these successful campaigns. So mm -hmm. yeah, like you mentioned that like it, it was like a full time job. What what being that you were learning on the ground, you obviously succeeded. So what what other things would you you know attribute that success to? Well, my old man, he's uh, he's old school Jamaican, right? And like okay. all old old school Jamaicans, uh, they've got sayings for every everything. And 
One of his favorites is you can't experience the experience until you've experienced the experience. Now, as a kid coming up, I, you know, roll my eyes and okay, whatever. But yeah. now it makes sense. Um, I, the, the, the seven months of prep that I did previous to the Kickstarter, I sat down and looked up. I must have done reports for myself on every unsuccessful Kickstarter campaign out there, not just for comics, but for games, board games as well to see what they did wrong. Um, doing research and letting somebody else make those mistakes so I can learn from them was something that, um, you know, has been instilled from me from an, from an early age. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to apply this. You know, if I'm going to put my name out there, like really put my name out there, my reputation, um, I want to make sure that I got all my I's dotted and all my T's crossed. And that was, that was a lot of work, you know, outside of my, you know, my regular gig, you know, like I said, running a studio, and then on top of that, you know, going home and doing research till like, you know, one, two o'clock in the morning and doing that for months straight and then taking a month off from work and dedicating myself to signal boosting, um, doing podcasts, getting on Twitter, writing articles, um, you know, knocking on doors, kicking in doors, you know, never taking no for an answer. Um that was really what that that month of the actual Kickstarter campaign came down to. Um, you have to, you, you can't be a little bit pregnant. You know, you, you got to say, I'm, you're right. <laughs> you're either in or you're out. And once I so made the decision to be in. So you come from a Jamaican family, um, big family. Yes, sir. What is uh, their, yeah. what, what is their response been? Uh, well, it's funny because... When when I first uh, told my dad that I wanted to get into video games, he thought it was great. Like he actually bought me uh, Commodore sixty four back in the mid eighties, me and my siblings. And uh, you know, I was like all kids, oh yeah, I'm going to use it for homework. Yeah, bullshit. Um, <laughs> and, uh, ended up uh, you know playing you know games and whatnot. But then I uh, started learning how to program my own games, and. Uh, you know, out of magazines, I type in, uh, you know, type in the programs and make my own games and debug them myself and figure out how, how this how stuff works. How old was I at the time? Um, probably about 10. Okay. Yeah, yeah about, uh, about 11. So uh, is that the time where I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm going to start, I can actually do this. And, uh, you know, my, my parents, uh, bless them, they... They saw that there was something there, and uh, so when I decided in the mid '90s to go over to uh, to EA and uh, try to make a career of it, they were supportive. They still didn't know what the hell I was doing. You know, try to tell their friends, "Oh, Tim's in video games. Oh, what does he do? Uh, he makes games." And you know, that's pretty much the extent of it. But you know, I pay my rent, and uh, that's uh, that's all they, they cared about, and uh, and I was happy. So. When it came time to, you know, doing, uh, uh, to putting Savage Empire together, they just looked at it as, okay, you know, Tim's got a creative endeavor, but he also has the production chops to make it happen. And, uh, you know, he's old enough to do it on his own. And, and so they were supportive. And uh, it's, it's kind of nice, honestly, to be able to hold your book in your hand and show it to your parents and say, hey, this is something that I did. And see that pride, you know, it's uh, it's something else. So it's uh, I'm I've been I've been very fortunate. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, you know, as, as a as a fellow Jamaican, uh, 
I think that parents, uh, you know, as long as they see that you're doing something that you have some stability and they're cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you have, you know, that backup job two job. Yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. (laughs) For sure. (laughs) So, I mean, I, I find that like, I think that's one of the parts of your story that I like a lot is the fact that, you know, you're, you know, your father supported you early and just like learning about, about technology. Um, and, and and saw your strength with that, and which obviously you know led led into your your programming work and your work in video games. Um, how how did uh like I'm I'm interested in how your your video game career and, and experience kind of like you know flowed into this work that you're doing now with comics. So the uh, as uh, working as a designer, it's been I've had plenty of opportunities over the years to actually employ my writing skills and doing voiceover work as well on previous uh, titles that I've worked on. So it's always been part and parcel of what I've done in the video game industry. Um, I'm now at a level, at a director level, where I'm um, sort of managing a bit more, but I still have opportunities to be creative. But the writing angle is something that has never gone away. And so taking advantage of those opportunities, not just to learn, but to improve my craft over the years in games, and then working with some really good script writers um, at these different places, at Relic, at, at EA, at Disney. Um, it's given me opportunity to improve my craft as well by working with the best. And, you know, it's willing to shut up and realize when you don't know something, you can learn a lot. <laughs> I, I found that out in life <laughs> a little later than I've, a little later than uh, I probably, uh, I, I probably should have, but um, you know, I've, I've, I've had the opportunities to, to rub shoulders with some, some really smart people. Um, you know, last project that I worked on with Amy Hennig from the Uncharted series, um, you know, she's one of the best writers in the industry. And just to be able to sort of, you know, sit at the feet and, and, and uh, learn um, and then apply that to my own projects, um, it's been a real blessing. So when, you know, somebody that I'm working with um, is saying, you know, when when you're writing a character this way and you're looking at their motivations, you know, their speech patterns may be like this, you know, maybe a little more staccato as opposed to this person and, and being able to drink that in and not necessarily use everything, but be willing to listen and then apply what you feel is best for your characters. Um, yeah, that's that's something that I've, I've you know, I, I made a, a point of trying to be open to. And uh, I think that it's actually come through in the book. Um, I've had a lot of people, um, you know, in the industry now have read the book and a lot of them have said, yo, this one, it's tight. And two, we can now take this and we can make a game out of this in a minute. And that to me is like really, really high praise. No, absolutely. And I mean, yeah, it's kind of cool. And in, in some ways, you know, having your experience and a foot in both doors, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, we recently spoke with Ed Williams, uh, who's doing some some cool things um, that you know are similar, like with the whole idea of like transmedia and um, you know doing both comics and uh, and video games. Um, so is that is that something that obviously that's like part of your plan, like you know to be able to bridge um, have have some of these properties bridge the uh, mediums? Yeah, I mean, I, I never go into go into anything that I write without respecting the medium that I'm going into. Mm -hmm. So if I'm writing a game property, like I'm writing for games, if I'm writing for, um, you know, for a a trailer or a screenplay, like I'm writing for that. And for Savage Empire, the thought from jump was 
I need to focus on making this the best graphic novel that it can be. And anything less would be disrespectful to the graphic novel medium. And, and that's just my personal feeling. Maybe I'm a little sensitive to that, but I oh, wanted to make sure that. Yeah, yeah I, I just wanted to make sure that I was being respectful to the medium that so many people, you know, throw their, their blood, sweat and tears into every single day and, and tell their stories. And I'm like, I'm going to tell my story and I'm going to do it in a way that respects all the other people that are doing this as well. And it just so happened that the way that it's structured and the way that it, that um, the finished product came out that, yeah, it does actually translate well into other media. But that wasn't the intent. Right. Um, the intent was to be able to tell the best story that I could for Savage Empire and for Reeves and for, and for Rick and for all these characters in a graphic novel format. And if somebody wants to jump on that afterwards and say, hey, we want to take this someplace else. Cool. Willing to listen. Um, but that wasn't the intent from the jump. Yeah, definitely. Actually, for everyone listening, uh, you know, I, I had the, the pleasure of reading the book. Um, but can you tell the listeners where they can they can pick it up to support if they missed the Kickstarter campaign? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, it, it's uh, actually available on Amazon right now. You can get uh, hard cup, hard copies or you can get it on a Kindle um, and just go to savageempire.org. That's S-A-V-A-G-E-E-M-P-I-R-E.org. And that will take you directly to the Amazon order page. Um, and uh, it's super easy to find. Uh, got lots of great reviews. Got like 11 reviews up there right now. Most of them are five stars, which is nice. And uh, yeah, uh, come out and support. I, I'd really appreciate it. And that'll give me the opportunity to uh, continue the story. Cool, cool. Yeah, that, that's one thing. Because I think I'd seen you previously mention it as a, you know, as a one shot. But it, it definitely is a thing where, you know, at the end, it, it could easily, uh, you know, continue. I think you left in a good place to be ongoing. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was the plan. I mean, there's definitely a continuation there. I think. I, I hope that I left enough clues about uh, who, who these characters could be, where they could go, where the storyline could go, that enough folks would be interested to to see a volume two come out. Uh, trust me, I've got it all mapped out and ready to go. Just uh, it's just a matter of uh, you know making sure that we can finance and do the project in the right way. Um, yeah. But you, again, when when I laid it out the first time, you wanna you want things to be a little bit mysterious. Like if you go back to like the mid '80s, like Wolverine. When he was like super mysterious, didn't know a lot about it. And, you know, they didn't really go into the Weapon X program that much. Right. Like back then, you know, no internet, like getting any little bit of information is like dropping blood into the water when there's a bunch of sharks around, right? And yeah. it's hard to replicate that in the age of the internet, but you still want to leave just a little bit there so people be like, oh, hey, I, I want to know some more about this character. I don't know everything about this character. What I think are their initial motivations, oh, there's some layers underneath that I can peel back and really get to know them. So they feel like they're fully fleshed people and not just, you know, one dimensional cutouts that are there to you know push the story forward. So hopefully uh, I got enough of that in Savage Empire Volume 1 and, and we can push forward for Volume 2 if you get enough support for the first book. All right, cool. So, yeah, people, make sure you support, um, you know, let's. Let's make it happen because I, de I definitely want to see where the story goes. And I think you did um, you did a really good job of, uh, you know, li like you mentioned, like asking, leaving enough room where people can can speculate and wonder, but, you know, not giving it all away. So yeah. also, like, I, I, I totally remember the 80s and uh, Wolverine. I, I remember the uh, thing. I feel like it was like Mark Silvestri and, and Chris. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. And that, that whole run where um, there was the like 
is Sabretooth his father or isn't he? And like, like I just remember that was crazy. That that whole thing just blew my mind at the time. It's funny if you go back and take a look at um, some of the maybe lesser known books, like say uh, Cloak and Dagger. Do you remember mm-hmm. Cloak and Dagger? Yeah, yeah. What? Okay, so that blew my mind as a kid, right? You got wait, you got a, a black boy and a white girl, and they're teething up. What? Like, come on, man. And then, right. like, making, like, the drugs make a central mm-hmm. part of the storyline and their their origin story. Right. For me, not only did that reflect sort of the tone of the times, and I didn't realize that as much as I do now later on, but it was very brave of them to sort of set up these kids in a way that there's room for them to grow, but they weren't perfect. And that's the kind of thing that um, I really um, – those are the kind of stories that appeal to me. Yeah, yeah. Um, like I love, I love the capes. I love the costumes. I love all that shit. Um, but at the same time, I want to have characters that have that depth mm-hmm. that have uh, that, that opportunity for arcs where you don't just come in at the top and that's just where they stay. Right. You know, like I want to see them go up and down and these, these kids, they start up from the bottom and they have an opportunity to move their way up. But they still have that that gritty core, and those are the kind of characters that appeal to me. Guys like Daredevil, you know, love Daredevil because dude gets a crap kicked out of him all the time, but he keeps battling back. And that part of that is down to his faith. Part of that is down to his back his his background in terms of his family and his, his relationship with his father, his relationship with Karen, like this, and, and his extreme this, all of those layers. Yeah, all those elements all combine to make a, a character that uh, that is gritty but real as opposed to, you know, gritty and, uh, you know, just super hardcore, you know, call of duty guy. You know what I'm saying? Like there, yeah. there has to be a difference. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, it's a yeah, absolutely. I think, um, you know, when you mentioned cloak and dagger, I was also thinking about, you know, milestone. We were speaking about that recently, just about how, yeah. just, yeah. you know, especially, yeah, especially like revisiting milestone now, it's like, you know, I mean, it, it had a big impact on me back then, but I mean, I think, you know, as an adult, really looking back at it, knowing what I know now, it's like they were really getting into some real stuff in comics. Milestone was heavy. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Very heavy. I yeah. love Icon. Like, for me, like, don't get me wrong, like, there's, there's you know, so many great characters, but somebody like, um, like Icon, who is, he's like Superman, but he's a more realistic Superman. You know, well, so you can say the same thing about Static and Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Static, exactly, exactly. You I know, he's a fan of, of Blood Syndicate. Yeah, yes. Blood Syndicate. Love the art on Blood Syndicate. Love that art, man. So good. Just like that, that it would just it just jump off the page. Like all the milestone comics were great, yeah. but the Blood Syndicate I, art, their covers were just like. Boom, man, I wish that run could have continued longer than it did. So I was on the road and I lost you guys for a while. And I know you had mentioned Cloak and Dagger. Did you talk about the uh, Gina-directed, Gina-Bife-directed pilot that's coming on Freedom TV here in 2018? Not yet, but yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to checking it out. Is there a trailer out for that yet, or they just announced it? No, they got trailers out and everything. You could could, uh, check it out. And so I was... uh, I tried to get in Cloak and Dagger... um, back in the day but i just i thought the writing was too forced right i didn't i wasn't really mm-hmm. feeling it but then mm-hmm. um when i look what uh what gina and some of the writers were doing it's kind of be re-imaged 
and the way it was re-imaged, it was like the way they should have done it the first time around, from my mm-hmm. perspective. Mm-hmm. I thought the, um, I don't want to say the writing was 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 black exploitation, kind of like they did with Luke Cage, you know, the, the Sweet <laughs> Christmas joint. But I, I thought they was trying too hard to fit them in a box. And mm-hmm. I didn't think the characters didn't strike me as true. Never mind. Well, wanted... Oh, go ahead. We're talking about a comic book character who doesn't exist anyway, but you know, I, I just thought the writing could have been better. I was just going to say that in terms of when it comes to writing black characters or you know characters of any color, if you, you know, and and keeping in mind the time, like really, how many opportunities were there for for black writers or Latino writers to have an opportunity to you know have that opportunity to write write major characters? Um, so if you have like white writers who are, you know, putting what they see as, you know, black dialect, black dialogue forward, it's going to be hard for them to get it right. And that's you no get, real fault in them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's no, f- really, like, I'm not going to be the kind of, I'm not going to be the guy who's going to assume the worst of everybody. I'm just going to say that it, it's just going to be hard. Like, it's harder for me to write, it's harder for me to write dialogues for women than it is for men. So I work with female writers to make sure that I get it right. Yeah, and that's that's the point. It's like there's there's a little effort, and I think, you know, knowing the effort that is necessary. Because, you know, I mean, writers all the time figure out a way. They'll do research if they want to write about You have to, terrorists. you have to. And or, you, you know, to I mean, like, yeah, if you're going to write about the moon, you know, a lot of writers will go and read about, about the moon. Or if you're, you know, so I, I just think it's like the same way if you're writing about someone whose experiences are different than yours. But here's what I find interesting about, about this discussion is um, everybody's familiar with the We Need Diverse Books campaign, right? Mm-hmm. And diversity, mm-hmm. and, and we need, uh, you know, especially in YA. So there was a, uh, there's a study out, and I, I'm not at my laptop, so I can't tweet it out right now, about um, books um, that are, uh, books that are, you know, lacking diversity or YA characters in the YA, in the YA genre, right? Mm. So for the last five years, there's been an increase in diversity in books. But there has not been an increase in the diversity diversity of authors. So basically, you got the same authors that have been in the game for a while, who has just kind of expanded. They, you know, I guess expanded their fiefdom, and now they're writing, you know, more diverse characters. But there's been no more inclusion of diverse authors in the mix. Right. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's it's getting the foot in the door for those authors new authors um that to me that to me is more important that to me is going to have more of a lasting impact absolutely Uh, and you know and and honestly like sometimes like either the table has to expand or somebody's got to come off the table to make room and that's really where where my head's at right now right and i think um i guess that that kind of in a way brings us back to the the points about storytelling i think you you had uh said something you know previously about like the freedom you have when you're making up these new characters to not be mired in you know the the history that that comes with like a big publisher not not to get into marvel dc too heavy but you know like they those are properties at this point you know what i mean they're not they they stop being characters to a certain extent just in the in the sense that you know they know that they need that piece on the chessboard to to make money or 
or whatever. And so they're not going to really change things too much or have uh, their characters have natural human evolutions. Mm-hmm. It's more about like what, what's going to you know make money. And I think indie comics have a certain freedom with that. Like, you know, um, we've spoken a lot about how like Lion Forge is, is doing a really good job with that. And I, I think, you know, like mm-hmm. creators like yourself really have a freedom to just, um, you know, just say who are these characters and, and like what motivates them and, and start from there and have the characters grow and change and evolve on their own. So mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that that's one of the really dope things about indie comics. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong. Like I have no issue with Marvel or DC, you know, I love the characters. I love the rosters. Um, I enjoy the, you know, the characters in the rosters. I think what we want to do is create new characters um, so when you have a group like Lion Forge, or even when you have, um, you know, Marvel coming up with a new character like Mosaic, um, you know, who's uh, that uh, new Inhuman character, I think that's the opportunity to really start not just shaping new characters with uh, the eye from the eye of somebody who's, you know, uh, who's not white, but to actually have those new writers now come in and and provide that that feedback and that true dialogue and viewpoint that you can't get if you're not within that community you know yeah yeah no absolutely you got they gotta have you gotta have them front and center and i think yeah for those you know characters uh like i said like mosaic you know imprints like line forge or you know independent you know comics like like savage empire um you know we're the ones who are at the vanguard so now let's tell those stories let's tell them in our um, in our, um, in our, our own voice. And, you know, if something catches, then that's great. That's great for the community. That's great for everybody, but it's also great for the pantheon of characters that are growing and that kids growing up are, are going to be exposed to, you know, I was exposed right. to, 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 to cloak and dagger and, and Luke cage and Wolverine and all these comics coming up and they helped shape me. So I want to help shape the next gen by, uh, you know, putting my voice out there and voice of people who look like me. That's important. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, you got to re- represent. And, you know, as a bonus, you got uh, dinosaurs coming out of portals. So that's that's, that's the way. Eating everybody. Yeah. <laughs> no. It's definitely really dope, man. So, um, so yeah, like, as a writer, right, like, what, um, who who are, are some of the writers that really inspired you early on? Like, what, what was the first, I think there's a time that we've spoken about where, you know, the first time, we all consume things, but like the first time when we really say like, Oh, okay. There's that's somebody's job. There's like a person behind these words or whatever. Like, so what, do you have an earliest memory of, of really discovering writing? Oh man. Like outside of the comics. I mean, yeah. 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 Any, yeah. yeah. So uh, my tastes do tend to lean to some of the more uh, mainstream mm-hmm. uh, writers. So like I grew up a lot of Stephen King cut my teeth on a lot of Stephen King growing up. Um, You know, even in the comic space, guys like Warren Ellis or Grant Morrison or, um, um, you know, Frank Miller, you know, Dwayne McDuffie, um, Stan, yeah, you know, Stan Lee. Um, I know that he didn't do all the writing, but he was certainly instrumental in shaping Mm -hmm. a lot of, uh, uh, and um, when I look at guys like, say, Mark Miller and how he's able to take his properties and really make them um, universally I want to say like accepted without mm. necessarily um, without necessarily, you know, losing the edge, the original edge, you know, of something like wanted or whatever it is. Like, I really respect those guys like Neil Gaiman as well. 
um, you know, Rucka, um, even like Kirkman, uh, Robert Kirkman, the stuff that he's done with The Walking Dead. Yeah. Um, there's and, uh, uh, a lot he, of really he, great he, actors. Although he's not really, I think, no, I was saying Thief of Thieves is another another one I really like. But um, yeah, I don't think Kirkman's writing it anymore, though. I think I think he was yeah. always co co more of a co co writer. Yeah, yeah. co-writer. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, guys like Chris Claremont, if we're like gonna go, you know, go back several decades. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you know, Brew Baker's run on Punish like come on. Like he's these are all and I know I've named like a lot of uh, you know, a lot of guys, but these are all folks that I've looked at and go, okay, there's something about your approach. Mm-hmm. And the way that you uh, you set up your tools and the way you apply those to your characters and the way that you draw people into your stories, that really appeals to me. And I may not even be able to replicate it, but it's something that I can point to and say, yeah, I really like that. And my liking of that shapes how I write my characters going forward. Um, so uh, who are some of your favorite writers outside of comics? Um, Margaret Atwood. Um, I've got to you know, look after my, my fellow Canadians. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah so if you've read the handmaid's tale i think it's on hulu now yeah um the uh, show yeah so big fan of margaret atwood and um tony morrison as well um outside of them um douglas adams i gotta say he's probably outside of comics probably the one author who like british humor period is just like that's my that's my jam sure. that's that's where that's where i live uh, Monty Python, all that sort of stuff, and Douglas Adams, like anything that he's ever written, I've devoured many, many, many times over. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Gal- Galaxy, you know, Dirk Gently's holistic, like detective agency. Yeah, cut. Uh, I cut my teeth on a lot of his stuff um, coming up. Um, also in the humor section, outside of uh, say Douglas Adams, um, Burke breathed, and he's the artist and the writer behind the Bloom County comic strip from the eighties. Yeah, I don't know if you remember him at all. Yeah, definitely. But uh, yeah, so his political satire was so on point um, and so ridiculous, yet so smart mm-hmm. that even like I, I think I'm, I'm trying to remember when the strip ended. I think it was like the late 90s or late. But um, even now, like I can go back to his old strips and they still sting like just as sharp as they did, like, you know, a couple of decades ago. Right. Um, so yeah, definitely. Uh, those are those are people that that shaped shaped how I write and the kind of stuff that I like. Cool, cool. Um, oh, another question I had is like the the character of Rittenhauer in the book. Um, mm-hmm. Is it the, the selection of the name Rittenhauer was that at all a Chuck D reference or is it a coincidence? Um, so uh, yeah, I just I just put up my hands like Walter White. You got me. <laughs> yeah so uh that was uh definitely a shout out to chuck d um you know huge pe fan love all their joints um and uh the name reeves is actually in homage to uh, uh bass reeves i don't know if you're familiar with him yeah i am yeah. but he's yeah okay so yeah so the character that lone ranger was based on um before they whitewashed him but uh, yeah, that was uh, a little homage to to both him and to uh, and to the hard rhymer, Mr. Chuck. No doubt, that's that's really cool. I, I picked right up. I, yeah, I'm, me and P go way back. So there definitely. you go. Yeah, man. Yeah. So yeah, that's awesome. You know, I guess as uh, being that we're we're in the the portion of the show where we usually do the the chat portion and kind of get into like what's happening now. 
Um, mm-hmm. I mean, why not jump from one hard rhymer to another? Because uh, we were both talking before the show about the the freestyle heard around the world from you know one one black thought this week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like what? Uh, yeah, what do you think about that? So I uh, I, I sat down, it popped up on my timeline. I'm like, oh yeah, black thought. Love the roots. Wonder what he's done today. Mm-hmm. I watched the freestyle from beginning to end, and the only thing I could say is like, God is real. Like my God, that that freestyle. Not not only if you go back and you listen, not only is he hitting topics mm. in just like in sequence, just like pop 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 pop, but it's not surface level. No, like you can go back and listen to it again. And it's like wait, what he said like three minutes ago now just tied into yeah. What he's saying here, but it's a level below what you're going to get if you're just listening to it. Uh, listening to it at the top, like it's like watching, uh, it's like watching Breaking Breaking Bad. Like, oh wait, this thing you did in season two, I'm now referring to again in season five. And and, and it was it was amazing. Like I watched it three times. Uh, sent it out to my art director uh, here at uh, here at the at the at the mothership, and it just tore around the office man people are just like we can't believe it and i see stuff like that and like i love a good freestyle i love a good cypher but it's i want to say that it's rare in this day and age to see somebody in such full command of their craft yes to make it look effortless yeah and you know, you know the work that went into this. You know how his synapses are firing, just like pa 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 for ten minutes straight to be able to come up with something off the dome like that. But the amount of work that went into that, and just to see a master in charge of his craft, yeah. and it like it was a blessing, man. It it really was. And and in a, a year where there's just been so many things that have gone wrong and just make you feel just. Like, that was just a thing that that just it lifted me up, man. I I I can't even front. Watching yeah. Black Thought, that Black Thought freestyle, it just took me to a better place. I yeah, love yeah. It. No, I no, love no. it. Just talking about it, I want to go watch it again. Yeah, no, I, I definitely recommend. Yeah, for anyone who's listening in the future or and wondering what are we we talking about, um, you know, it, just uh, Google or YouTube, um, Black Thought Funk Master Flex. Um, and yeah, he drops this, he dropped this crazy, like, you know, 10 minute, um, freestyle and thing about black thought is, you know, having watched a lot of his, his, his live performances, like he, he might have like a verse that's written, but then he just really is very fluid in just branching off from that into something off the dome that, and you, you can't really tell where, where the, the gap is, you know what I mean? Cause it's like his, uh. His off the dome work is incredible as well. So, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, man, it was a uh, really good. And it was, and it's good to see him getting props, man. Because I've been like telling people forever, and like you know, it's like those who know know. And it's like he's one of your favorite rappers, favorite rapper. But yeah, I, yeah. I, I, he deserves yeah, way like, more props. Yeah, it's like you know, if you know the roots and beyond, yeah. if you know the roots, like beyond Questlove, and then you know Black Thought. But not everybody knows the roots beyond Questlove. So yeah, like yeah. I, I agree with you 100%, man. It was nice to see him get his shine, and for something just like that, that amazing. Like yeah, I I, uh, I was blown away. I was blown away, and uh, just very very happy man yesterday. 
Yeah, I don't know if you remember. There was like, uh, I feel like it was maybe three, three or four months ago. But he had a, um, I think it was on Sway's show with Method Man, and they were both going back and forth. But Method Man like just had to, had to like bow down to him basically. <laughs> Not literally. Tap out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, funny, I uh, I actually worked with Method Man a few years a few years ago. Oh, wow. on uh, yeah, on a video game actually, a uh, video game commercial. Uh, no, it wasn't Def Jam Vendetta, although um, the um, the producer for that is actually a really good friend of mine um, mm-hmm. on the Def Jam series. But um, no, this was for, and uh, I shit you not, don't laugh now. It was for, it was a, a platformer based on Sour Patch Kids. Oh, really? Huh. Where, yeah, we did this uh, for, for Capcom. The name of the game is called World Gone Sour. And uh, okay. it's a cool little, yeah, cool little game on PlayStation Network and Xbox Live and on Steam. And uh, but if you go on YouTube and if you search Method Man Sour Patch Kids, you'll see the ad that we shot with him. And he ripped off this amazing, just all these bars, bars <laughs> about Sour Patch Kids. And, uh, you know, it's funny because when we sat down, we're like, OK, who can we get? Method Man? Really? You think he'd do it? Does he fit? And he stepped in, man, and he made it happen. So uh, I, I wholly recommend that you you go and check it out, man. It's funny as hell, and uh, hopefully you guys will like it. But, yeah, uh, just look up, like I said. Context. I feel like at, at the time, you said it was like a couple years ago? Yeah. Yeah, I feel like I like might have. 2011, 2012, I think. Yeah, I definitely remember hearing something where he was rhyming about Sour Patch Kids. So I, yeah, but I, so I didn't right. have a connection about where it was from. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's my ad. <laughs> yeah. No. He, he's he's ridiculously versatile, man. He can he can do anything. I was funny. I was just revisiting. Wow. This is turning into to nineties hip hop chat. But um, I was listening uh, <laughs> to Thirty Six Chambers the other day, um, which was you know obviously a really dope experience. But I was just mm-hmm. it just it's so interesting. You listen to that album and it's so raw, and then like Method Man just comes on with this like party anthem the ultimate party anthem of the time and it it didn't feel out of place on that album though you know what i mean even mm-hmm. like everything that preceded it and even came after it on the album was just so so gritty you know yep. but like he, he just he just did it and it was just natural you know what i mean so great flow man i, I look at wu-tang clan they're like the avengers as far as i'm concerned man yeah. each of them they got their own style you know their own here they got their own hero their own hero ethos, and uh, yeah, there. Have you heard the new album, Saga Continues? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, I caught that on day one, man. Uh, good, good, good stuff. Like just good hip hop, man. Like there's for me, like there's something to be said for, uh, um, you know, like '90s heads, you know, like ourselves who you know go back and 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 love that music, and and I I still think there's there's good hip hop that's coming out today, you know, and look at guys like Kendrick, but guys that are you know under the radar yeah. um you know there's uh this this good this dude called uh daylight uh d-a-y-l-y-t who's like a move from battle rapping to releasing his first album and man it's like this trippy hard electronic hip-hop but just with like bars with like some cool interplay on uh, let there be light i mean and again i wouldn't have known about this guy if like a friend of a friend hadn't put him on to me and he's not like you know number one on the charts, but this is new hip hop, 2017. That is yeah. good. That is holding up the uh, that's uh, that's holding up the flag of you know what 
what this art form can be, you know, and, and I got to respect the, I got to respect these young cats that are, that are still holding it down. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Another, another person I always shout out is, uh, is Billy Woods and Backwoods Studios. Um, okay. I don't know if you heard them, but like, they're, they're just, um, ridiculous. And Billy Woods has been, he's been doing his thing since like 2003. Um, and I just think more people really need to, need to listen to them. Actually, Leo, our, uh, our co-host on the show wrote a really, uh, good piece for Bandcamp about um backwoods so it's it's a good place to start i'll try to find it and uh and tweet the link yeah do that man i'm i think i'm gonna check him out when i get home sure yeah yeah man so uh so yeah i mean what we mentioned uh at the top of the show that we both saw um last jedi today obviously we're not gonna get into any spoilers i mean it, it just literally dropped um the last 24 hours but yeah man, what are what are some of your your non-spoilery reactions about it yeah, well, like I said I saw it this morning, um, and I loved it, man. Uh, it gave me a feeling like when I first watched saw New Hope, mm. way, 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 way back in the day, and I mean even more so than Force Awakens. I mean some aspects of Force Awakens, you know, they really hit those same beats that we saw in A New Hope, but there's just something about how about how Last Jedi was constructed. And some of the callouts they did to um, the earlier uh, earlier films in the series, mm-hmm. they just made me feel like a kid again, man. Um, you know, and as as a creator, I know what it's like to sit there and be critical of your own work. And I can sit there and I, there's things that I can nitpick if I wanted to, but I don't want to. Like I came out of there with a really good feeling about not just the the the, the IP as a whole, but just this particular movie and how it was constructed. Um, and I'm just looking forward to seeing, uh, what Ryan Johnson comes up with going forward, man. He did a great job and, uh, the visuals. Mm. Yeah. Lord, the visuals, just the overall aesthetic, but even like towards the, the latter third of the movie. Oh yeah. 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 Oh dude, just, oh, my eyes. I just, I just wanted to, I just wanted to cover my eyes and rose petals, man. It's just beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful film. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and yeah, the the tone of it is is so interesting because it's funny you mentioned that you came out feeling good because I mean I did as well, and uh, I feel like in all the 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 material leading up, um, don't get me wrong, I mean there, there, there's dark stuff in the film obviously, but like yeah, he he struck this incredible balance, you know. Um, mm-hmm. I don't really speak about it without spoiling anything, but I don't know I, I just I I love what they did. Um, I love I love. Uh, the the stuff that Finn got to do, um, you know, because I'm a I'm a big Finn fan fan and John Boyega and like you know he he was dope in it just just everyone though like really yeah um, for sure and one for thing sure. I'll say which doesn't spoil anything and it actually is more an indication of of how the movie was not spoiled you know you know a lot has been said about how many trailers there were and how much we've seen but. I will say, like, if you've seen all the trailers and you think, oh, man, I practically know what this movie's about. Like, you don't, because it's like when you get yeah. there, there's so many surprises and there's so many things that weren't even hinted at in the trailer. Mm-hmm. So it's just like it's a very it's a very rich experience, you know. Oh, yeah. It's like, you you know, nothing from the trailers. I mean, at even at the highest of high levels, what they touch on is just scratching the surface. Yeah. Um, I'm glad I, I'm glad I saw it, to, saw it today because, um, you know. You stay on. You go on Twitter or pretty much anywhere. You know, people are throwing out spoilers left, right, and center, and I wanted to avoid that. But uh, oh yeah, highly recommended. Um, and I will see it again for sure. Um, I'll probably wait for things to settle down 
over the next week or so, and then I'm going to go back. I really enjoyed it. I love yeah. where they're taking these characters. There's some really interesting arcs, really interesting arcs that are that are present now that are available to these characters, and uh, mm-hmm. can't wait. Yeah, man, and you 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 know, it's definitely got some of the feels in it too. So some 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 strong emotional beats, but uh, yeah, no, wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't be Star Wars without it, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, gotta have that. Gotta have the emotion. Gotta have the humor. And uh, yeah, they, they definitely came in on uh, firing on all cylinders. Yeah, definitely. Are you uh, are you a Mr. Robot fan? Have you have you seen that show at all? Uh, no. And the reason for that is I'm working on another project which I know has some similarities. Oh. And I wanted to stay away from that specifically because I didn't want any of that to bleed into what it is that I'm working on. Uh, once I'm finished uh, my treatment, then I'm definitely going to jump in because, you know, all my peeps are, oh, Mr. Robot, you got to watch this, da-da-da-da-da. And I've got my ears closed, you know, like, da-da-da, don't say anything. But, uh, yeah, I'm definitely going to jump into it eventually. I just want to get my stuff out of the way first. Okay, cool. So that, that, that's a project you probably can't speak about, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, yeah. We 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 don't have to get into. It. I I just uh, when you do get a chance, definitely check it out. But I, I totally oh, feel yeah. you. I, yeah, I totally feel you on just not wanting to be influenced by other other art while you're creating. You know, mm-hmm. um, I haven't had an opportunity to read too much in the last couple of weeks just because I've been doing a lot of create create creating of my own. Um, although one thing I definitely want to shout out this week uh, is Force uh, issue two. Um, okay. Yeah, Force is a, is a book by, you know, previous uh, guest of Black Comic Chat and friend of the show, Sean Pryor. Um, he does it with Jay Reed, who's just an amazing, amazing artist, who also has been on the show, and uh, Brian Alex Thompson. And they they got together and, they, you know, they made this, this book. It's about this uh, fictional football league, which, you know, in a lot of ways mirrors the, the NFL, but also, but isn't obviously beholden to the nfl and all its licensing and and people etc cetera, etc cetera. so um you know they've just been telling a really cool story about this league um it's kind of groundbreaking in that there's not a lot of sports comics period you know right. and um i don't know it's just it's, it's a good book so issue two is out this week um and i definitely recommend people check it out nice nice so, and as a bonus, I had had a little bit of uh, a bonus art, artwork in the back. That's not why I'm recommending it, though. But it's uh, it's definitely oh, hey. definitely something you should be. Yeah, nothing wrong with calling it out, man. Nothing wrong with that at all. Yeah, we, we got to promote ourselves. Yeah, 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 definitely, definitely. But uh, yeah, man. So um, have you? Um, so yeah, I don't. When you're creating, being that you've been creating, have you had an opportunity to read anything else or 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 watch anything that you'd like to big up? Uh, I did take the time to uh, watch The Punisher uh, on Netflix. Oh yeah, yeah. So I, uh, I, I did, I did the damn thing, as they say, um, in one weekend. Did you hard, or or you just kind of like spaced it? I out? love, it. I love. It. No, I, I love it. Um, the, <clears throat> it's, uh, it's uh, definitely at my my number one, just ahead of Luke Cage. Hmm. Um. And yeah. one thing that I really appreciated about it was the amount of time that the characters spent um, actually like speaking with each other. And I'm talking about micro and, uh, and Frank yeah, yeah. Um, setting things up, you know, um, everybody's like, Oh, you need to start shooting, doing this and that and the other. And it's like, come on, that's not how, that's not how this works. That's not how you get real I'm, impact. I'm, I'm with if, you. Yeah. 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 No, I, I saw some of the complaints that I'm, I'm with you on that. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And and we think about it like in the if if you really sit and think about how you know these super macho over the top male characters are often portrayed, you know they don't take the time to sit and talk about their feelings or how they got there. And to to see you know John Bernthal's portrayal of somebody who's not only delving with the impact of what he's done, but his PTSD, what's been done to him how that affects him, how that affects his relationship with other people, and then eventually his relationship with Michael and with Michael's family and how that ends up spiraling out of control before he gets a chance to pull it all back together again. Laid out brick by brick by brick of how these characters are going to work, were going to come together before they ended up blowing everything apart. And that's what gave it real impact. And, and honestly, it's a large part of the reason why, uh, like I said, it's at uh, it's at my number one, just ahead of Luke Cage and Jessica Jones. Love, right. love, love Punisher. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, it's funny because um, watching, I was obviously I, I also really dug the uh, the whole micro and Punisher relationship and how you know it was contentious and there was there was all these different aspects to it and it wasn't just like, hey, we should team up, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but it, it made me think. Because, like, you know, I used to read Punisher comics when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. I didn't read everything. So I, I I feel like when I was reading it, Microchip and uh, Punisher were already teamed up. But I don't know. Like, was – I know it wasn't the same storyline, but was there as much complexity to their origin story in the comics? No. Um, not not in my opinion. Anyways, there's a lot more complexity that was uh, presented in the, in the Netflix in the Netflix series. Um, how they came together and that constant tension between them mm-hmm. n- just in regards and some of that, you know, not to toot my own horn too much, but some of that does come back to how, like I said, how I set up my characters in Savage Empire is that they have, we have a common goal but bro. We ain't friends, you know, mm-hmm. we're not even cool. We're not even cool like that. Like I've got someplace I need to be. You can help me get there, but don't get it twisted. Don't don't take it for anything more than it is. And for them to constantly be pushing back and forth, doubting each other, wondering what the other person is doing. Micro, especially wondering, you know, the interactions between him and it, uh, between Frank and his and uh, Micro's family and Micro's wife. Um, yeah, that got uncomfortable. That, at times. Oh, dude, so uncomfortable, you know. And but but it all made sense. It all held together. Um, and uh, you never felt that right. things were being put in there just for the sake of pushing the storyline forward. But in actuality, this is how somebody in this impossible situation would act. Um, honestly, that is probably one of the th- one of the things that made it so compelling is how their relationship, bet- like I said, between micro between micro and Frank was reflected, and it was a hell of a lot more complex there than anything um, in the comics, in my opinion, anyways. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, they 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 did their thing with that series. It's uh mm-hmm. very yeah, interesting. Really, really impressed. Yeah. I'm really interested to see where the MCU goes. I guess speaking of which, uh the other other big MCU uh news obviously this week was you know Disney. I think it, it had been kind of kicked about that it was happening, but it was officially announced this week that you know Disney had acquired a bunch of properties from Fox. Um I guess most relevant to to us is uh mm-hmm. you know x-men and uh fantastic four yeah so i don't know i think that's a that, that's a big deal because i know i've been advocating oh, i mean as a yeah as an x-men fan i've been really advocating for that for a long time because it's like 
you know, obviously, uh, I think Fox has had some wins in the last couple of years with Logan and uh, mm-hmm. Deadpool mm-hmm. and Legion. Like, I really, I really dug. I don't know if you got to check Legion. No, um, not yet. I thought, yeah, no, it's it's really cool. It's it's, it's very different. Uh, Thelonious hates Legion, uh, but uh, <laughs> he, he he didn't. I don't think he st- he stayed with the series long enough. So maybe maybe we'll get to convert him later. But anyway, um, that being said, like I feel like they have those wins. But like going back, like I mean, what they did with the main X Men series, you know, and I'm not going to totally you know dump on it just because like the honestly the first X Men film was one of the earlier movies in the the kind of turning point when comic book movies became more serious mm-hmm. um but like i don't think the x-men series kept up with the times as like you know other other comic book movies started becoming really good yeah i don't and uh i agree yeah i agree but, I, I i don't know you know x-men 2 i think is probably the one that's aged the best out of all yeah. of them um personally but um, the the tone that they were taking, like they were never able to hit the heights that uh, Marvel was um, with their yes. with their in house properties, and it's the same issue that uh, Sony had with Spider Man until they teamed up with them again. Yeah. Um, now that it's all under one umbrella, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do. Um, you think Hugh Jackman's going to come out of retirement, bring uh, bring Wolverine back? Because I know the last time when he finished Logan, he said, "Okay, that's it, I'm done." But uh, with this news, I've got to get yeah, that MCU know. money, man. I mean, he. I think he he would probably be down for it. Maybe, maybe not though. I don't know because he he played Wolverine for like almost two decades. Yeah, but, seventeen years. Yeah, I almost I I could see the MCU though going with a, a fresh face. I will say that's one thing that they're willing to do. Um, obviously they do get some big actors, but I mm-hmm. they're not afraid to um to kind of break a new actor who's not a super known uh, entity yet. Yeah, yeah, so, and yeah, and I think for casting Wolverine, I think my ideal Wolverine casting would be somebody who's not like you know a star already. Because I mean, out of all the big stars, there's not really many people who really exude Wolverine. You know? Yeah, and they're always going to be compared to Hugh Jackman anyway. So it's better to get a fresh face in and not have to you know fill those shoes as an already established star. You know, like you can get you know a Doug Ray Scott or whoever it is to come in and play that play that role now so yeah um, yeah yeah yeah, i I hear you yeah and yeah and you know it's like i i've really wanted to see um because like like i said x-men films there there was some good in them definitely but at the same time it's like i don't feel that they any of them ever ever came close to capturing what made x-men comics magical you know when i was growing up and um i think they were cool movies that were like x-men adjacent kind of but i don't think they I don't know, man. X Men is is just such a a particular thing as a mm-hmm. as a, as a, as a comic book, and um, I I think that the Avengers movies, obviously, you know, there's always going to be changes going from medium to medium, but I think that they've found a way to take the essence of what made those comics what they are, and transfer them over, right. you know, as they came to film. And I don't, I, I just want to see some X Men films that actually like have that kind of loving care you know what i mean well, for, the, for the x-men well you, you can be sure that marvel will take the time and apply that yeah. same care that they did to everything else in order to get it right like i remember when uh, they first announced their slate um for you know the the phase one phase two phase three of you know the marvel cinematic universe mm. and you know oh yeah 
Black Panther is going to be coming out in 2018. Everybody's like, oh, 2018, and they're all up in arms. Why do we got so, why do we got to wait so long? Yeah. But you look now, and it made sense. Like it makes perfect sense where Black Panther is slotting in in terms of his store overall storyline with the Avengers, mm-hmm. um, how he's been introduced, how he's been able to come in and establish himself as a character on par, if not ahead of Captain America and Iron Man, and now. Next February, like everybody's going to get their life, and they're going to do the same thing with Captain Marvel. And I have absolutely every, um, every, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm fully guaranteed that they'll be able to pull it off with uh, with the X Men in it as well. So all I know is that I got to wait, but that's okay. I'd rather wait and and have them get it right than uh, see something rushed. And I don't think they're going to rush it. Yeah, and you know that Not that's after a few billion bucks. Yeah, yeah. That, that's a good point, because I was one of the people that was like, oh, man, we got to wait so long for Black Panther. But now that I see the results, Ryan Coogler and just the, the incredible talent and actors and team that they brought on board, it's like I'm yeah. I'm glad that they took as long as they did. So. Oh, dude, it's the blackest movie ever. I love that trailer. Yeah. That first one was Run the Jewels. Yeah. Blackest thing ever, man. Oh, but I, man, I watched that like five times. I showed it to my kids, showed it to my friends. I'm like, you gotta see this. Yeah, yeah. yeah and I could see that trailer on the big screen too, man. That was that was. Mm-hmm. Oh my god. Yeah. And for uh, Black History Month, every time I see another black person, I'm just not gonna say hi. I'm gonna just say Wakanda forever. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, definitely. Nah, it's cool. It's cool. That's not you know. I, I guess like Black Panther is like another 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 black thought. It's somebody that I always dug. And it's it's good to see, like just black people as a whole getting into Black Panther. So mm-hmm. yeah, and not as a oh here's a black character for you people, you know, be right. happy with it. But no, nah, this dude is an equal on par with any other A tier character uh, in the MCU or DC for that matter. And you will respect him as such, and you can get behind him, and everybody can get behind him, black, white, whatever. You know, right. he's he's badass and. Uh, I'm I'm really really happy just to see him get a shine. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. It is on um, on the uh, on the Black Comic Chat hashtag uh, dy princess. Uh, she she asked if we remember Hancock, uh, you know, the Will Smith movie. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I definitely do. I f- I forget why I was just thinking about that movie the other day. I haven't seen it in years. I don't think I saw it since it mm-hmm. came out. Um, I remember I remember being pleasantly surprised by it at the time. I I liked uh, I liked it a lot. I liked I liked the first movie, which is the first half, and wait, wait, oh. <laughs> and the second half I'm not quite as sure about, but uh, the premise was awesome. Um, I, yeah. I think it was great, and I really think that um, there was just a, a tonal shift there that didn't quite uh, make sense for me. But overall, like just to, to see Will Smith in that role um, was really funny and uh, really. Not just, not just entertaining, but there was a lot of heart there as well. Uh, but like I said, the the shift in the the second portion, I was just like, okay, uh, are we watching the same movie here? Like, what what happened? But that's okay. Yeah, it definitely, it definitely. I, I see what you're saying. The tone definitely did shift. Like you're talking about, like when they started getting into, like like the the story behind the story. Yeah, yeah, backstory. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm gonna, I'm gonna check out Hancock again. It's been so long since I've seen it that I, I I remember it, but I don't I don't remember it as clearly. So I'd be interested in seeing it with a with a new lens. Yeah, man. So that's um you know I, I guess I guess we're 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 about at the point where we're gonna wrap. But um 
what um I, I know you you've got some some cool stuff you're working on that you can't speak about. Is there is there anything uh that you want to let people know about that you haven't spoken about that you've got cooking that you can speak about? Uh honestly, right now all the projects that I'm working on right now are kind of under wraps, uh, which is a shame. I'm hoping to have some stuff that I can announce in the new year. Okay. Um, but uh, you know, right now um it's been you know a blessing just to see people, you know. Get into get into Savage Empire and talk about the characters and you know tweet me and uh, send letters and uh, even seen some fan art which is nice I never thought I'd see that for my own stuff so that's been uh, that's been pretty cool um, and uh, yeah hopefully I have some stuff to talk about in uh, in the new year regarding a new project and stuff that I'm working on so it's well, not that I don't want to I just yeah. can't <laughs> I, I hear that Def- definitely shout us out when you do and we we'll, we'd love to have you back and you know oh definitely. for sure man. And I uh, just want to say, you know, thank you and much love to you and the rest of Black Comics Jack crew for uh, for taking the time to put me on. I, I really appreciate it. You guys didn't know me from Adam and gave me a chance to come on and, and talk about, you know, Savage Empire and a project that's really important to me. And uh, I just want to say I appreciate uh, you guys looking after your own. That's uh, that's good looking out. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, next time, you know, I'm, we we have fun, but like, hopefully we'll have the whole team because I it's funny because when we scheduled this, uh, I know I know you and I scheduled this like months ago. I don't think I realized that it was like Star, Star Wars Day, Star Wars release. Yeah. <laughs> so I, yeah. I feel like, you know, obviously that that ate a little bit into our um, into our, <laughs> our t- and I think even the audience. But, you know, we're, we're it's going to go up on the podcast feed so everyone will, will be able to hear it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's funny. Well, you know what? We both saw the film, so we're good. Yeah, yo, I'm I'm really good, man. I, yeah, I I felt very uplifted, you know, coming into the podcast. So yeah, yeah, good stuff. It's good, man. All right, so um, I, I guess the other thing, uh, even though you haven't been able, you you know, you can't really say what you got cooking right now. Where can people stay updated on what you're working on? Oh, you know what? Best place to hit me up is on Twitter uh, at Vancouver Tim. V-A-N-C-O-U-V-E-R-T-I-M. Um, yeah, talking comics, talking games, talking a gang of stuff on politics, just because it's that time. And uh, <laughs> I can uh, also I can also find me on Instagram. If uh, you go to Instagram, uh, likes to fight, L-I-K-E-S-T-O-F-I-G-H-T. Um, got lots of concept art from the Savage Empire project that I threw up there, along with some descriptions of some of the work and the workflow that was behind each of the pieces. And uh, yeah, I've got a lot of cool stuff up there and hopefully I'll be able to throw stuff up for the new projects on uh, up there as well. That'll probably be the first place you see it there and Twitter. So yeah, Vancouver Tim on Twitter and likes to fight on Instagram. All right, cool. So yeah, people um, make sure you, you stay up on everything that Tim is doing and uh, yeah, What's, uh, keep your eyes peeled on you know at black black comics chat i almost said blam blam i don't know what i said anyway keep your eyes peeled on at black comics chat because you know we have some things and we're we're trying to make things bigger and better in the new year um and we have some we already have some really cool people lined up for 2018 so you know stay tuned and uh check us out so yeah tim uh thank you for joining us and uh, it's been a pleasure hey thank you for having me i really appreciate it take care all right you too Black comics, Black comics, Black comics, Black comics.